I want to start this morning, uh, this afternoon, it's not a Sunday morning, is it? Uh, I'd like to start this afternoon by reading two verses and then praying again, if you don't mind. Um, I want to read from Romans chapter 11, the last verse of Romans chapter 11, and then I'm going to go through and read the last verse of the book of John. Romans 11, 33 to 36, actually. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord has become his counselor. Who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. I want to read that one more time. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Uh, it's, it's on my heart to read the last verse of the book of John as well. John 21. And um, I'll read just verse 25. And there are also many other things that Jesus did which if written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Heavenly Father, um, you know leading up to this, how many of us, even in this room, myself included, have been uh, weakened, have been tired, have been attacked, have been, uh, just had the cares of the world um, just nagging at us, how some of us have had uh, past habits that are offensive to you, uh, have been whispered into our ears to distract us. Um, I am so thankful that you who began the work will see it through to maturity. I am so thankful to you even now that every good and perfect thing that I have is straight from you by your direct intervention. I am thankful that we are here because of who Jesus is. I'm thankful because we are here together. We can come boldly. We can have access to your throne room. I'm thankful that you give us the spirit who reveals truth, who teaches us, but also brings back to our remembrance those things. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are amazing, and I just want to say thank you. May you truly be glorified and be center, be focal point of everything that is said today, please. Amen. The importance of remembrance. Um, the importance of remembrance. There are two passages, I guess, that come to mind when it comes to the importance of remembrance to preface some of this. Uh, I'm going to go to one that was not mentioned yet, and then I'm going to turn over to Joshua, where it was already referenced. Uh, I want to turn, first of all, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I'll start just reading briefly, uh, go through. Uh, I intend fully to just let the Lord speak through his word and um, not offer tons of my own commentary that muddy the water of truth. So uh, I will say this, though. I'll start this morning and this afternoon this way. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 starts this way. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments that the Lord your God has commanded to teach you 
that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life. You and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life. And that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And it continues this way. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land, which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities, which you did not build, houses full of all good things, which you did not fill, hewn out wells, which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. And when you have eaten and are full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Remember, beware lest you forget. Remembering the word of the Lord. I'm assuming that we're all here, whether you're a believer and you have an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus or whether you don't. I'm assuming you are here because the word of the Lord came to you. Whether the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, his great immeasurable riches and mercy and grace upon you have impacted your heart, you have been transformed and are continuing to be transformed into his likeness. And that's why you are here to celebrate him. And if you are not somebody who has that great and amazing intimate relationship with him, knowing his riches, knowing his grace, knowing his mercy, knowing the freedom that he gives, the love that he brings to your soul and to your heart, the comfort of the Spirit, and all things that I can't even begin to recount. That you are here because the word of the Lord at some point has come to you, and if nothing else, you're at least curious. I hope and I pray that you would take the plunge. But we are here because the word of the Lord has come to us. The, the commandment here that is given is telling us different times when we are to remember the word of the Lord. Tells us here, teach them, talk of them, when you're sitting down in your house and then you're walking by the way. When are we to remember the words of the Lord? When we're sitting in our house or we're outside of our house walking around. There's really no in between there, is there? Seems to indicate all the time, right? Now, nobody can read enough of the word of God to please God and to say thank you to him enough times for what he's done for us. But as a lifestyle, remembering the word of God when we have a new relationship with Christ, a new relationship with the spirit and a new relationship with his word, 
you get together with other brothers, it should never take more than five minutes before the Bibles are out and you're at it. And not because it's forced, but because he transforms us from the inside out. That's who we become, constantly remembering his word. But not just when you're inside and when you're outside. But it says also, when you're lying down and when you wake up. When you're lying down and when you rise up, it says. I guess there's a way out. You're okay, you're safe when you're half asleep. I don't know. (laughs) Not really, right? Remembrance is something that God put into place. The idea of needing to remember. I have a suspicion, and I I don't know if this is uh, accurate, but I don't think the original man in the garden was created with the capacity to forget. Not intentionally. I think this idea that we forget things, I think personally, my suspicion is that this is something that is a result of the fall. We need to be reminded constantly. We need to be remembering, reminding ourselves, reminding each other, right? Because very simply put, we forget, right? And then he continues on, he says, you shall bind them in your hands, on your frontlets between your eyes, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Every time you cross the threshold, there's a reminder. Set up these reminders for yourself, right? And the reason you do this is because after you have walked in the abundant blessing of the Lord, and I'll take a rabbit trail here, the abundant blessing of the Lord. It has always been in the heart and the mind of God to abundantly bless his children. Right back from Genesis in the garden, you can freely eat of every single one of these trees you see as far as the eye can see, except for just this one. And what does the serpent do? The serpent says, did he really say that you couldn't eat of all of them? I have this conversation with my children when they're younger. You tell them no for something and they automatically want to start the waterworks because their eyes are focused on what they're missing out on instead of being thankful for the abundant blessing they have as a result of things. Sometimes I'll tell them, no, you can't have this little thing here because in half an hour, I've got something awesome I want to bless you with. There's another message from the scriptures from that one too, isn't there? Right? It has always been in the heart and the mind of God to bless abundantly. Lord willing, we'll read through some scriptures in Ephesians about that. But after we have walked in that abundant blessing, what does he say? Then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. What is it that they're forgetting? Who is it that they're forgetting? Are they forgetting all that happened to get them out of Egypt? The Lord who brought them out of Egypt. That's the problem. Flip over quickly to Joshua that was already referenced. Joshua chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1 says this, And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, 
that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying. So it's not just remembering his word, but it's remembering his works. Don't just remember what he said, but remember what he has done. We see that perfectly encapsulated when we partake of the emblems, don't we? As long as you do this, you remember his death in the past, now, remembering it now, until he comes, right? How do we know that? We remember it because we have intimate relationship because of what he has done, but we also remember him through his word, right? We're remembering his word, but we're remembering his works. And it came to pass when all the people had crossed over, the Lord said to Joshua, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe and command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan and from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and you will leave them right in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. Each one of you shall take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. One quick little comment on this about remembering. Remembering is for our own benefit. Remembering is for our own benefit. We need to be reminded. I love that about the scriptures. I love that about, for example, in the Psalms. There's two or three ways, usually three ways to say something in the Hebrew language. And oftentimes, God has moved the writers to use two of those three ways to make sure that we get the point what he's trying to get across. Right? This idea of repetition in Hebrew culture is to put a big exclamation point on what God is trying to tell us as well. Remembering his word, remembering his works. But it's not just for ourselves. It's to pass on to future generations as well. And I'm not taking this just literally, passing it on to my sons or my daughters. But how about sons in the faith? Passing this on to future generations. If we do not remember the works and the word of the Lord and pass those things on, what are we passing on to our children? I think there's a great example of one of the things that can happen. The book of Numbers, we read about the people of Israel grumbling and complaining, right? They grumble and complain again, and the Lord sends a bunch of fiery serpents. Great picture of the gospel, right? And these fiery serpents start biting the people, and the people are dying because of it. And they pray, and the Lord says, Make a bronze serpent, stick it on a pole, lift it up, and when anybody looks upon that serpent, they will be saved. I personally think that that's a perfect image of the cross, not just in the story, not just in the, the 
way in which you look upon that which has been lifted up and you are saved. But I don't know how you can hang and drape a snake over a pole with a crossbeam on there personally. Now, I'm not saying that's gospel fact, but I personally believe that. You have a picture of the gospel there, right? Who can remember what happened to that bronze serpent? They started worshiping and burning incense to it. Nehushtan, they called it, right? Somewhere along the line, I strongly suspect they kept that thing around and they forgot the Lord who saved them through that. And that's why they were able to get away with worshiping the item itself. When we forget the works and the word of God, we run the risk, beware lest you forget. We run the risk of having all sorts of religions birthed without any sort of relationship, right? They take the item and they forget the Lord who was behind that item of salvation and they worship the thing. And that's how you get people who are following dead, cold, sterile religious movements because the Lord's no longer in it. They've forgotten the Lord who birthed that thing. And that could be equally just as dangerous that we could fall into that too, right? The number one reason why I think we're told to remember is simply because we just simply forget. Number two reason why I think we are told to remember is because it's important the who we are remembering. If we forget the who that we are supposed to be remembering, then we end up in these cold, dead, sterile religious movements, nothing but a bunch of hypocrites who are giving God a bad name because we are doing all these sorts of wonderful and less than wonderful activities, and he's nowhere to be associated with it at all. But because we, it's like the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints. Oops, am I supposed to say that? Right? Talk about misusing a name. Nothing to do with Jesus whatsoever, right? And some of them, I'm going to tell you, are beautiful, lovely-hearted, spirited people. Some of them, they would do us shame with how they put family ahead of career and all sorts of other things, about how family is important, about how having a father and a wife, a husband and a wife, having a good relationship with their kids, they do a fantastic job of some of that. But it's still cold, dead, sterile religion. False religion, right? So we forget because, we're told to remember because we simply will forget. We're human. We're told to remember simply because of the fact that we forget the Lord and we turn it into something that actually is an offense to him. There's another great example of how we see this, what happens when we forget in the New Testament too. Let's turn to the book of Ephesians. I'm going to skip through a couple of just verses here. You may, you may not be able to follow along, but I'm going to just read through some verses I've got highlighted here. This is something that just came out in my reading yesterday that I think uh, bears repeating and bears sharing today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, 
What are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 8. To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Verse 10, to the intent now that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Chapter 3, verse 17, being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Can you think of something, another dimension maybe? Do you get the idea that the love of God fills everything in our lives if we're with him and we're intimate with him? <laughs> to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Anybody pick up what I'm pointing out here? The richness that is found in Jesus, the abundance. You read in this and it talks about you used to be, well, not to make a pop culture reference, but used to be Walking Dead. I've never seen the show. I've no desire to. But without Christ, you are the Walking Dead. You are the Walking Dead. And yet, because of his great richness and mercy and grace, he's made us alive with him, seated positionally with him in heaven. I took my son on a road trip the first week of October. And uh, I do this with all of my boys when they get to that age. We jokingly, we call it a man-up trip. It's a wonderful time of blessing. Um, over the course of that week, through sermons that we were listening to, the scriptures that uh, we read individually and we read together, through uh, divine appointments and divine encounters that had gone through, that had, had happened during that week, I am reminded again and again and again of his riches and mercy and grace. There's not one good thing that I have in my life that I cannot point to the direct intervention of the Lord as the reason why I have it. Amen. Not one. A couple months back, I shared a very personal, for the first time publicly, a very personal part of my personal testimony. How I was an angry, violent, aggressive young man. I loved the fight. I was like a feral dog some days, loving the taste of blood. 
It's not who I am today. Do I still like the rough stuff? Well, yeah. I don't think that'll ever get beaten out of me, to be honest. I still love to hit the heavy bag and have that kind of fun. But, but the taste of blood's not there anymore. I tasted the only blood that matters. The blood of Jesus that has transformed me inside out to make me somebody who stands in front of you completely different. And when I think about who I was then to who I am now, uh, I got a new job about a year and three months ago. My first review that I got, they have 10 competencies, they have all this stuff, right? Oh yeah, you do great at this, you can improve at this, you know, their way of legitimizing who they want to give raises to and who they don't, right? And the three things that were on there that I scored the highest on, one of them was team building. The guy who thrived on conflict is now being rated off the charts, showing capacity at team building beyond guys who've got years experience at a management position. I take no credit for that. There's no way I possibly could. I got the job because I was told I have exceptional people skills. The guy who thrived on getting into fights, loved stirring the pot, loved arguing with people just because I loved the thrill of battle. I didn't even care if I won. I just loved to fight. Now I've got exceptional people skills. And the third one of it that cracks me up the most because I have exceptional conflict resolution skills. It's funny. When I tell people who've known me my whole life that I got a job based on my people skills, they all laugh. Every one of my family, all my kids started laughing when I told them. It was only right that they should. But isn't it amazing how his unsearchable riches and grace not only has transformed me from who I was into that man, then on top of that, he adds an exclamation point and says, Aaron, I'm going to use your secular employment. I'm going to use your boss who doesn't know the Lord Jesus at all to confirm in you that he who began a new work in you will see it through to maturity. And I walked out there praising God and didn't care one iota whether I got a raise or not because it doesn't matter. The job I have, I actually like it, oddly enough. First time I've had a job I've liked in probably 20 years. And the only reason I can do the job on a day-to-day basis is because of who Christ is in me. That's it. Nothing would have qualified me for that unless he transformed me into this man that I am. Direct intervention. I shared about how my fears of being a horrible husband or horrible father convinced me that I never was going to have kids and I hated them. For those that don't know me, I've got seven today. And I have, I'd like to say, a good relationship with my kids. I've never experienced, thank the Lord, prayerfully, he keeps us in his will. I've never experienced crazy bouts of rebellion from my kids like you hear in the world today is accepted as normal. Why? Because he gave me a great wife. Because he gives me his word. And because when I really need it, he goes, Aaron, time to humble yourself. Enough is enough. Oftentimes he uses my wife to tell me that. Why do I have a good family and a good relationship with my kids when I was convinced I hated kids and was never having any? 
direct intervention of how he transforms a person's life. Great relationship with my wife today. Because of his grace in granting forgiveness and mercy. Working in her heart to show reverence to her husband when there's sometimes been nothing worthy of reverence. The riches of grace and mercy in Christ Jesus, there is no end. You could not drink it dry. You could not drain it outright. It is not possible. If you don't know it, man, reach out. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid of, I have to give this up. And be so focused on what you'll be missing out on that you're neglecting to see all of this amazingness that he's giving you in its place. Just like the kid who's upset, you're not going to give them that chocolate because you're taking him out for ice cream later. Maybe a weak analogy, but the analogy fits, right? The Ephesian church being reminded. I find it interesting when you go to and you read about the Ephesian church and you read this letter. It's not like, for example, the letter to the Corinthians where there's some clear wrong-headedness and wrong-spiritedness that's going on that needs to be corrected. I don't see that tone of correction going on in this book. I don't see that tone of correction going on in, that, in this book. They seem like they were doing all right, but let's have some reminders here because there's some potential pitfalls you may fall into you need to be aware of, right? That's what we see from the book of Ephesians. Man, I'm loving this book these days. It tells us everything about who we were, the walking dead, to being alive and living with purpose and knowing what it means to be rich. Let's skip over to what it tells us about Ephesians from 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 3. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So what you believe... And then it continues on. Nor give heed to fables or endless, gene endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification building up, which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience and sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor what the things are they affirm. I think this is a really important understanding when we read this too. Verse 8 continues this. For we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy, the profane, for murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. So word and deed, what you believe and how you behave. 
I want to point out, I like rabbit trails. I want to point out another quick little rabbit trail here. When we get into debate over doctrine, we're thinking fine points of things, explain the hypostatic union. How is it possible he could be fully God and fully man? Right? Which two prophets are going to be there in the book of Revelation? I'm not talking about those fine points of detail that are not worth debating over. They're fun and interesting to get into discussions about. They really are. And some of them are needful because they bring us to a point of really digging into the scriptures, which is good. But doctrine includes behaving correctly. Do you take extended breaks while you are at work and steal time from the company and get paid for doing nothing? That's doctrine. Things like that. Do you cheat on your taxes? That's a behavior. That is doctrine, right? So what you believe and how you behave. And it's interesting because the scripture tells us over and over again, what you believe dictates how you behave. Oftentimes we say we believe one thing with our mouth, but we consistently do the opposite because in our hearts we're believing a lie, we don't even realize it. We're not living in accordance with what we say because in hearts we don't really believe it. Right? Rabbit trail over. Who can guess where I'm going next? Talking about the Ephesian church. Let's go to Revelation chapter 2. When you go through Acts 18, Acts chapter 19, you follow it up with Acts chapter 20, you read the book of Ephesians. It's really amazing how God has put this into the scriptures for us because you can see the full story of the development and growth of a church over a generation. It's really good to see. It's amazing how the Lord has done that for us. It's almost like he wanted us to have a lesson there, isn't it? Revelation chapter two. It says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, that you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and labored for my name's sake and have not become weary." Does it sound like when you read the book of Ephesians and you read what Paul writes to Timothy that they got the message? Were they behaving correctly? Yes? No? Yeah, they were behaving correctly. Were they believing correctly? They seem to have gotten the message, eh? Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. What happens when you forget the who of remembrance? You do it to your own peril. You do it to your own peril. I am amazed 
taking the time to remember the Lord knew what he was doing. He knows that we're like children. Sometimes we're like lost sheep going astray, right? But he wrote this force, this admonition to remember, to remember, to remember, to remember. All through the scriptures. Man, I, I couldn't even exhaust all the passages about remembering the things of the Lord in preparation for today. And then the great, wonderful gift of God. Any of my notes that I had written down, I lost them this afternoon. I have no idea where they are. Talk about a lesson in remembrance, I guess, eh? <laughs> he is good. He is just. Um, <clears throat> it really does matter before you get anything else. It really does matter the who of remembrance. The reason why I felt it necessary to get into a little bit more of my own testimony is just to show people, prepare our hearts a little bit and encourage you, right? When times are tough, taking time to remember how good the Lord has been in our past is really foundational for giving us the courage to continue to know he will be good to us in the future. We can trust his future promises because we have taken the time to remember his past promises that have come to pass. Where do we find those? In his word. Remembering what he has done and remembering what he has said. The reason why we remember the who of remembrance, because just as it is when we take the Lord's table, when we take the emblems, remembering in the present what he has done in the past with the hope of remembering till he comes in the future, it infuses every minute of your life with meaning and purpose. And then it doesn't matter whether you get that big raise. It doesn't matter whether you have the nice fancy car. It doesn't remember because the beauty of how wonderful the riches of this, the razzle dazzle, the, just the sheer awesomeness of the Lord Jesus, everything else just pales by comparison. It really does. If it seems like I'm being passionate about it, this is a really recent revelation for me, to be honest. It really is. Man, I wish I wasn't such an idiot. I would have learned this years earlier. Right? It really does make all the difference. So there's two challenges I come from with this. As we take this and we look at the Lord Jesus and we try to transition into a time of actually remembering him, two challenges to this. What has the Lord done or what is the Lord doing in your life today that could cause you to just be awed and amazed by him? Not his work, not his word, not a movement that you've been part of, but what is the Lord, the Lord doing in your life that you can remember him today as we look to what he has done? The second challenge is this. If you do not know the Lord Jesus, anybody who knew me 20 years ago that would see me standing here today, they would be in hysterics. They would be laughing or they'd be thinking I'm putting one over on you guys. Because of his immeasurable, unsearchable riches of his grace and his mercy the abundance, what it means to actually know love for real? Wow. If you don't know him, I would strongly encourage you, take the plunge, take a dive. 
Lord Jesus, um, there is nothing in me that's good. The only thing that's in there that is of any worth is what you've implanted, and uh, I'm okay with that. I really am okay with that. And Lord, I pray that it would be okay with all of us in this room. Lord Jesus, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. I got nothing else. Thank you, Jesus, for you. You are amazing. As we begin to take a time to just remember you and remember your goodness and remember your grace, remember your mercy, remember your word, remember your works, may it be something that points to you, not to a move, not to a, an act that you have taken in our lives. Not to a point where we revere certain moments of time. The only thing that actually gives those things, those moments in time meaning is that you were in, in them in those moments. How many times we read about Daniel and we read about Joseph and we read about David and we read about all these mighty works and we think that somehow those men were the heroes of the story but the reality is, Jesus, uh, please forgive us for thinking that. Because the reality is really you are the hero of every story in your word and help us to please see it truly the way you intended to that way. And in our own stories here today, help us to truly see you are the hero before we can learn the lessons you want us to learn from those things. Please. Amen.